Hello everyone, this is the 8th episode in the Immunology 101 series. I am Jatin Sharma, your host at Antibodies, and joining me today is Dara from University of Paris-Saclay. Hello. And Natalie from City of Hope Research Center. Hello. In today's episode, we learn about T-cell development. Natalie and Dara, I'll let you guys start the discussion. Natalie, can you tell me what's the difference between a T-cell and a thymocyte? Okay, so uh, a thymocyte is an immune cell that's present in the thymus before it actually goes through transformation into a T cell. That's actually why a T cell is called a T cell, by the way, it's a thym thymus T. Oh, okay. Mm. So can you tell us how does the early thymocyte development take place? Well, my immunology professor always told me that T cell development in the bone marrow was like your K through 12 education. And that's like the education you need to be a contributing member of society, but like, <laughs> You're not necessarily any kind of specialist, you know, it's just like your baseline. And then there's T-cell development in a thymus, and that's more like college. And that's where a bunch of people show up with diverse backgrounds, and then they're slowly honed down and reformed into an expert of one specific thing. So uh, the precursors of T-cells actually differentiate from hematopoietic stem cells in your bone marrow. That's where all your uh, lymphoid cells come from. Although we aren't sure what the exact population of bone marrow precursors that will become T cells, we know that this population can also give rise to, you know, your natural killer cells, dendritic cells, B cells, and even some myeloid cells. Whatever this precursor is, um, they will eventually exit the bone marrow to go off to thymus college to get a good T cell training. Critically, uh, the decision to become a T cell over, say, a B cell is governed by expression of a receptor called Notch. Fun fact, if you overexpress notch one, which is one of the four notch genes, T cells rather than B cells will develop in the bone marrow. And if you delete notch one expression, B cells rather than T cells develop in the thymus. Crazy, right? This actually suggests that thymus as a structure isn't necessarily required for T cell development. And this hypothesis has been supported by multiple in vitro studies suggesting the same thing. Wow, that's so cool. Right? <laughs> So once our precocious young T-cell precursor enters the thymus via a blood vessel into the cortico-medullary boundary, the structure of the thymus will provide a unique, uh, provide a series of unique microenvironments for each developmental step to take place. As we proceed to describing the events taking place in different parts of the thymus, uh, can you define the words cortex and medulla for our listeners? What do they mean exactly? Oh, so these are parts of the thymus. So the cortex region refers to the outer region, while the medulla refers to the middle or central region. In this case, we're talking about the outside and the middle of the thymus. So uh, notch ligands expressed by thymocytes support proliferation of precursors in the outer cortex. Over time, these precursors will slowly migrate into the thymic medulla, then exit a, a few weeks, like three weeks later at the cortico-medullary junction. During this time, the precursor will be undergoing rearrangement of its TCR genes, and it will have to survive a series of negative selection steps to make sure it's good enough to become a T cell. We can define these thymic developmental stages by looking at expression of CD4 and CD8. So keep those molecules, molecules in mind. They're really important for function later on. What does CD4 and CD8 mean? So CD is kind of like a broad uh, a term that we use to 
you know, denote different markers of immunological function. So it actually stands for cluster of differentiation. And it's a prefix added to surface proteins on cells. So I think we have like CD1 through CD300, and it just refers to different proteins. So CD4 and CD8 are protein antigens that are expressed by thymocytes and also by mature T cells. Uh, both of these help the TCR in recognizing MHC molecules found on antigen presenting cells or just about any nucleated cell. If you think of the TCR and the MHC as two hands coming together for the handshake, the CD4 and the CD8 molecules are the thumbs of these hands that allow for a firm grip. How awkward would a handshake be without using thumbs? Can you imagine that? <laughs> I always do that. I always, that's why I don't have any friends, I think. <laughs> you don't really consider how I shake hands. <laughs> okay, so I understand what the molecules do. Now, tell me the difference between CD4 and CD8. Are they doing exactly the same thing? Are they, as in both are the thumbs, so that means they are exchangeable? Uh, so, not not quite. Uh, CD4 helps in recognizing a part of the class 2 MHC, and CD8 does a similar thing with class 1 MHC. A trick to remember that is if you rem if you multiply the CD4 number and the MHC number, you'll get a product of 8. So CD4 goes with two to get eight and CD8, of course, goes with one to get eight. That's actually like the best trick I've ever yeah. heard. Oh, that, that actually was told to me by one of the undergraduates in my class. <laughs> I was TA oh, for wow. an <laughs> class and the undergraduates taught me that. <laughs> like, wow, this is such a great experience. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that, that's very useful information. Thanks, Natalie. Uh, yeah, well, now that I've explained to you what CD4 and CD8 are, the molecules, and we'll get into their functions, like what those T cells do later, but we let's focus on what we're doing. This is thymocyte development. The first stage of development in the thymus is called double negative or DN, meaning that these T cells do not express either CD4 or CD8. Now, the double negative stage is subdivided into four stages, which are DN1 through 4. In DN1, uh, T-cells are expressing a couple of markers. We're not going to go over their function right now, but you can define them by their expression of CKIT, CD44, and they don't have CD25. And these are the ones that are just migrating into the thymus from the bone marrow. Now in the subcapsular cortex, you're going to have DN2 T-cells. And these ones are the ones that are expressing all three, CKIT, CD44, and CD25. And this is when you're rearranging your beta, gamma, delta chains, um, alpha chain is actually not open yet. The chromatin's not open, so you can't be recombining that. Um, but this is also when this cell is irrevocably committed to becoming a T cell. Like it's going to become a T cell now or die. So you mean the into T cells cannot go back to being a B cell or something? Right, they can't. They've invested too much time to go back now. It's just like me in grad school. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, then... After DN2 comes DN3, and these ones express CKIT, CD25, and no CD44. And they're polishing off all their gene rearrangements, and they're going to make the decision now to become an alpha, beta, or a gamma, delta T cell, which we're going to talk about soon. And then you have your DN4 stage, and this is when you're expressing a very low amount of CKIT, but no CD25 or CD44. And this is where the alpha chain locus rearrangement reoccurs and allelic exclusion of the beta chain. Um, DN4 cells are going to begin to proliferate and they're going to express both CD4 and CD8. So now they're double positive cells because they have both of them. 
And that's the next stage of development. An easy way to remember is that CKID uh, is a stem cell marker. As the thymocyte gets more and more differentiated, it loses a CKID expression. So that's why the DN4 thymocyte has a more CKID compared to uh, the previous stages. Actually, lower C kit compared to the previous oh, stage. Oh, okay, okay, thanks, yeah. Natalie. <laughs> and also, just because if somebody has never heard of C kit, they may not know how to spell it. So I'll spell it out: C as in Charlie, and K I T, kit. It's That's like, how you spell this. It's like the kitten gene. You only have yeah. it when you're when you're a little baby. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I told you about this whole alpha, beta, gamma, delta thing. So uh, vertebrates generate two broad categories of T cells. There are ones that express TCR alpha and beta chains, and those that express TCR gamma and delta chains. As you might remember, TCR alpha, beta cells are the dominant participants in the adaptive immune response in the secondary lymphoid organs. That's what most of your T cells are. However, there are a second type um, of T cells that are formed by the rearrangement of those gamma delta. So that's uh, gamma delta TCR cells. And these also play an important role, particularly in protecting our barrier tissues um, on the outside from infection. So the question arises, what is the signal or the decision of becoming a lymphocyte that expresses the alpha beta or the gamma delta? Until now, the process has not been fully understood. Um, however, we're going to look closely into it to get more answers or who knows, even more questions. Ooh. <laughs> so uh, one, important, one important step is the rearrangement of the VDJ segments. Rearrangement of the beta, gamma, and delta loci begins during the lymphocyte development stage, DN2. To become an alpha-beta T-cell, the first step depends on the generation of a functional TCR beta protein chain with only one rearrangement event. On the other hand, to become a gamma-delta cell, the thymocyte must generate two functional proteins that depend on two separate rearrangement events. So just statistically, this must be the answer why the probability to become an alpha-beta T-cell is a higher probability than becoming a gamma-delta cell. So what do you mean is each rearrangement event carries a risk of not producing a functional VDJ combination and resulting in the cell's death, as we discussed in the last episode. Therefore, having to generate both the gamma and delta chains at the same time in these gamma delta T cells makes the probability of having an unsuccessful rearrangement even higher. Yup. Okay. <laughs> there are many factors that regulate the generation of TCR gamma delta during development. Um, actually, during embryonic development, the first T cells that arise are gamma delta, and they have a very important role in protection um, in different tissues prior and after birth. However, production of gamma delta T cells declines after birth, and the TCR gamma delta T cell population represents about half a percent of all mature T cells in the periphery of an adult animal. But... As in everything in immunology, the microenvironment changes the way we understand the biological process. We could ask, why only during development, like our embryonic development, do we have more TCR gamma delta, even though the actual event is harder to rearrange these gamma and delta genes? Maybe one of our listeners could do their PhD on this topic, and who knows, maybe they'll get the next Nobel Prize. Well, call me Gautam Buddha because I've been enlightened by this episode so far. 
Okay, let's talk more about the alpha beta type of T cell development for this episode, as those are the ones that are dominant in adults. Yeah, let's talk about the alpha beta types. Before we continue with the journey of thymocyte development, we need to talk about a process that is called beta selection. This process requires the expression of a pre-T alpha chain. The pre-T alpha chain or pre-TA acts as a surrogate for the TCR alpha chain, pretty much like the surrogate light chain during B cell development. This pre-TA chain assembles with CD3 and a functional beta chain to form the pre-T cell receptor and it acts as a sensor by initiating signal transduction independent of having an antigen bound. And let me tell you something, as a listener would say, why does the thymocyte not rearrange the TCR alpha chain instead? And the answer is proliferation and generation of diversity. A pre-alpha only serves the purpose of making sure that a functional beta chain has been generated and it can go through a generic alpha chain, which is the pre-alpha chain. All of this occurs at the DN3 stage. The pre-TCR signaling at the DN3 stage triggers different processes. The commitment to the TCR alpha beta lineage, which includes suppression of other beta genes that were not re rearranged, allelic exclusion, there will be another burst of proliferation, maturation to the double positive stage of development and initiation of TCR alpha rearrangement. So it is quite strange that the beta rearrangement takes place before the alpha. I mean, how were they named? How are these genes named? Probably after the way they were discovered, right? Yeah. In the order. Mm -hmm. It's confusing for everybody learning this, but yeah, beta comes first <laughs> in the development path. Once the double positive thymocyte successfully rearranges and expresses a TCR alpha chain, this chain associates with the TCR beta, taking the place of the surrogate pre-TCR alpha chain, which will no longer be actively expressed because pre-TCR alpha has served its purpose. It's no longer needed. Cool, well, what happens after the DP stage? The DP or the double positive stage, yes, glad you asked. Now the thymocytes have fully committed to TCR alpha beta. They both, I mean, they express both CD4 and CD8. That's why they're called double positives. Once the thymocytes become double positive, they are ready for the next stage of T cell development, the selection stage. Double positive cells are non-proliferating cells localized in the thymic cortex and they comprise more than 80% of the cells in the thymus. They success successfully express a fully mature TCR alpha beta and a CD3 complex. However, until this point, it is not known if the thymocyte even has a functional TCR or if so, as in if it will have a functional TCR, that's why it survived, but can it recognize things that exist in the organism or in, in the wild, let's say. And if so, if it does not recognize self antigens, because you want the T cell to recognize things that are not ours, but others. And to an extent ours, this is a very complicated thing, right? <laughs> you want to recognize yourself, but not too much. Yeah, we'll hammer on that point later. So it's here where the T cell selection takes place. First, positive selection, which selects those lymphocytes bearing T cell receptors capable of recognizing the MHC molecules expressed by other cells. 
And then there is the negative selection, which selects thymocytes that do not recognize self-antigens presented in the MHC molecules. This process is so unique and specific that the majority of double positive thymocytes, about 98%, never meet the selection criteria and die by apoptosis within the thymus. Yeah, 98% of the cells, imagine that. We can think that is a lot of energy and resources wasted. However, you do want to make sure that you do not create T cells that are not functional, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 95% of the thymocytes fail in positive selection and the rest, about two to 5% or two to 3% are eliminated by negative selection. So in the end, only 2% or 5% of the double positives will exit the thymus as mature T cells. So let us, uh, talk in detail about the positive and negative selection process. You guys ready? Yep. Hit me with it. Okay. In the thymus, the double positive thymocytes will interact with a variety of cells that express either MHC class one or class two. Some of these cells could be dendritic cells, B cells or thymic epithelial cells. The thymocytes will interact with the MHC molecules using their T cell receptors and this interaction with the MHCs forms the crux of the positive and negative selection process. Let's try to understand this process with the affinity model of selection. It is a simplified model that states that each thymocyte can have one of the three fates. First, the TCR of the thymocyte cannot recognize and bind to the MHC peptide complexes presented on the cells in the thymus. It happens so that the MHC-TCR interactions provide survival signals to the thymocytes. Therefore, an absence of these signals result in the death of the thymocyte by neglect. In the second case, the TCR of the thymocyte could bind too strongly to the self-peptide and MHC molecule complex, in which case also the thymocyte dies, probably due to excessive signaling. The third case is where the thymocyte interacts with the MHC molecule with a moderate affinity, and that is when the thymocyte will survive. Essentially, the thymus is making sure that the thymocytes know the self sufficiently well to recognize it, but doesn't recognize it to the point that it kills the host's own cells. I'm just imagining, you know, the story of Narcissus, where he's mm-hmm. like, he sees himself in the reflection in the lake and he's like so attracted to it that he falls in and dies. That's what I imagine a self TC, <laughs> TCR signaling yeah. would be like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so philosophical that you need to know yourself enough that you can take your criticism or you can know what's wrong with you or what's right with you. You should not be in love with yourself. That's auto-reactivity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you could, you should have some sub, sort of self-love at point, but not too much, right? That's exactly what this is, what the thymus is preparing the T-cells for. Well, love yourself, not too much. <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing is that like the T-cells also recognize uh, cells that are cancerous. So they have to be able yeah. to tell if a cell is like a little off, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and kill it. Yeah, it's, it's a gray area where these cells are working at. Okay. Now that we know the big picture with the affinity model of selection, let's go a little bit into the details. The double positive thymocytes enter the thymus and they end up in the 
cortical region as in they've already been the cortical region uh, the epithelial cells present in the cortex are called CTEX or cortical thymic epithelial cells these cells are involved in the bulk of the positive selection where they will express MHC molecules that will present some peptides to allow the thymocytes to dry, test drive their T-cell receptors. Hey, you didn't just say that there are other cells like B-cells as well that express the MHC molecules? Yeah, that's right. Those cells do help in positive selection, but CTEX or cortical thymic epithelial cells are the most abundant in the thymic cortex. So obviously they're the major players in making sure positive selection takes place. If it helps, this is still an area of research. Okay. At this step, the CTEX makes sure that the thymocytes with TCRs that recognize the peptides presented on their MHCs are recognized to some extent to allow the thymocyte to survive. This, is, this process is also called MHC restriction. That is, all of our thymocytes are positively selected for binding to the MHCs and must be able to recognize the MHCs that an individual organism expresses. Or to be more specific, that thymocytes, or the, not the thymocytes, the other cells in the thymus that are expressing the MHCs are capable of expressing. Cool, very cool. Well, that's positive selection. Let's talk about negative selection in more detail. Okay, so dead cells are a prominent feature of the thymic landscape. Only 5% of developing thymocytes will survive to become mature T cells, and the remaining thymocytes will die by one of the two mechanisms. Most of the thymocytes die because they are not positively selected and do not receive a survival signal, as Jatin has just mentioned. But some thymocytes undergo T cell receptor mediated apoptosis. This is also called negative selection, which is extremely important for establishing a functional immune system as it provides an efficient mechanism for getting rid of the T-cell repertoire of self-reactive and potentially autoimmune lymphocytes, which are responsible for a host autoimmune disorders. Negative selection is responsible for central tolerance, or the process of eliminating any developing T or B lymphocytes that are reactive to self. It is likely most negative selection occurs via a process known as clonal deletion, where high affinity TCR interactions directly induce apoptotic signals. Clonal deletion of double positive thymocytes appears to be optimally mediated by the same cells, which is antigen presenting cells, and same interactions, which is the high affinity TCR engagement coupled with co-stimulatory signals that activate mature T cells. However, the strong TCR signals result in the death of immature T cells but the proliferation and the differentiation of mature T-cells remains an active area of investigation. Thymic dendritic cells and macrophages are found in multiple areas of the thymus, clearly have the ideal features to mediate negative selection. But interestingly, so do medullary epithelial cells, which express high levels of co-stimulatory ligands, such as CD80 and CD86, as well as a unique transcription factor that allows them to present tissue-specific antigens. Therefore, both the cortex and the medulla have the potential to induce negative selection. Hey, can I add something cool here? Yep. Yeah. 
So you said that the medullary epithelial cells they mediate the negative selection, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was this uh, cool article, uh, I think two, two years back, because it was it was uh, presented in my lab's journal club, that certain viruses like Zika, they can infect the medullary thymic epithelial cells, mm-hmm. and you know what that means, right? That means that the med mtech let's let me abbreviate as mtech it will express the viral proteins from the zika so what it's doing is this is such a clever way of making sure any thymocyte that recognizes zika will never make it out of the thymus that's that's cruel and unusual that's so cruel and that is also so cool as in <laughs> so such a great survival strategy yeah, yeah. way to go zika <laughs> you deserve it you you deserve survival <laughs> for this okay so all right Dara, i'll hand it over to you yeah again. so we have seen that the msc molecules can present peptides derived from both endogenous and exogenous proteins on the surface of antigen presenting cells however only a fraction of cell types thymocytes stromocells macrophages and other antigen presenting cells reside in the thymus so we would expect that these cells would um we would expect that these cells to produce only a subset of proteins encoded in the genome how then can the thymus possibly get rid of developing t cells that are autoreactive to tissue specific antigens for example proteins specific to the brain to the liver or to the kidney so this question bothered immunologists for a long time and investigation in the late 1990s show that the thymus had an extraordinary capacity to express and present proteins from all over the body. Scientists show that this capacity was a unique feature of thymic medullary epithelial cells. Another group went on to show that some medullary epithelial cells express a unique protein called autoimmune regulator or AIR. And AIR has a classic feature of transcription factor and may be part of a transcription complex that facilitates expression of tissue-specific genes by regulating not only translation, but also chromatin packing. Thus, it allows medullary epithelial cells to express proteins found all over the body, process them, and then present them on the MHC molecules. So, and I'll just say that air is pronounced A-I-R-E. It's hard, it's easy to not know how to pronounce it while when you're just listening to it right or spell it yeah yeah also we did a monologue on the discovery of air i think it's monologue number three do check that out self-plug <laughs> <laughs> okay back yeah. to you Natalie. yeah so uh it's called autoimmune regulator and that's because people who have mutations in this gene they suffer from a very profound autoimmune disorder called apecd which is a-p-e-c-e-d or polyendocrinopathy canadasis ectodermal dystrophy. I sure hope I said that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> off your tongue, naturally. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's why we just call it apesin. But uh, anyway, so the fact that you get this horrible disease if you have a mutation in this gene supports the notion that air and negative selection in the thymus are actually critical for protecting against attacks to self-tissue. This is particularly useful for the presentation of MSC class 1 peptides and negative selection of CD8 positive thymocytes. However, enabling dendritic cells and macrophages are thought to phagocytose medullary epithelial cells 
And so they can present their protein's content on the MHC class two molecules and that they can mediate negative selection of CD4 positive thymocytes. Uh, I have a hypothetical question. Uh, what would happen if positive selection and MHC cla uh, class restriction didn't take place? I mean, negative selection is there to eliminate autoimmunity, but I don't really get the point of positive selection that much. Like, what's the benefit in reducing all of these thymocytes? Why not just like let them survive? Yeah, let's let's revisit how T cells recognize antigens. T cells use their T cell receptors to recognize the peptide MHC complex either on an antigen presenting cell, if it's a class two MHC, or just about any nucleated cell if we talk about class one MHC. In fact, the positive selection process is what makes sure that TCRs have this requirement of an MHC and, then, and that they are dependent on this molecule for recognition of their target. If positive selection did not happen, we would have 10 times more thymocytes than we actually do. In theory, it sounds awesome to have that many thymocytes, but in reality, that's a lot of clutter. It dilutes the functional repertoire and therefore may make it harder to find the right T cell that recognizing recognizes an antigen peptide, as well as the MSC that presents it. Ah, well, let's uh, let's summarize this episode, guys. Mm -hmm. So, the uncommitted white cell uh, progenitors enter the thymus from the bone marrow, and notch-notch ligand interactions are required for T cell commitment. Stages of development of T cells can be defined broadly by the expression of the co-receptors CD4 and CD8. The most immature thymocytes express neither and so are called double negative or DN cells. They then become double positive, DP, and then they will eventually become single positive stages, either CD4 or CD8. Uh, double negative thymocytes progress through four stages of development. That's DN1 through DN4. During these stages, they proliferate and rearrange the TCR beta, delta, and gamma antigen receptor genes. Thymocytes that rearrange delta and gamma receptor genes successfully mature to the TCR gamma delta lineage, while those thymocytes that successfully rearrange uh, the beta receptor are detected by a process called beta selection. Double positive thymocytes are the most abundant subpopulation in the thymus and are the first cells to express a matured TCR alpha beta receptor. They're the targets of positive and negative selection, which are responsible for self-tolerance and self-MHC restriction, respectively. Positive and negative selection are regulated by the affinity of a double positive thymocytes TCR for the MHC and self-peptide complexes expressed by the thymic epithelium. High affinity, high affinity TCR MHC peptide interactions result in the negative selection, typically by initiating apoptosis or clonal deletion, while the low or intermediate affinity signals result in positive selection and initiate a maturation program for the helper T cells or cytotoxic T cells, positive lineages. And the large majority of thymocytes, about 95%, do not interact with any MSC or self-peptide expressed by the thymic epithelium, and they will die by neglect. 
I think I we could summarize the negative selection as love yourself not too much, right? That's this whole st- whole process. Exactly. We'll get that copyrighted. <laughs> Man, T cell development is just so interesting. I just want to learn so much more. My thirst for knowledge is unquenchable. Please teach me more. Like what other methods of tolerance exist? But what happens to a T cell once it leaves the thymus? How come there are like TH1, TH2, TH17, CH22, TH infinity cells? Patient little one, you will know everything when the time is right. So let the time take its course and wait for the next episode. Oh man. <laughs> All right. With that, we will wrap up this episode. Join us next time to find out more about T cell development. We'll still have the part 2 of the episode coming. Check us out at antibodies.org. We have bi-monthly journal clubs, blog posts, and a lot of memes on our social media for you to enjoy. See you all next time. Thanks Natalie and Dara. Bye. 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 Bye.